Seinfeld, the bubble boy is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now here are the two guys who have had nothing finer than uh, being a bunch of whiners. I'm Rob Sisters to keep a winner. Oh man, I hope I hope that was on the fly. Yes. That's the best you could come up with? That's pretty good. Wait, how about wait no moop? Yes, yes. Oh, Akiva. We're ready to talk about the bubble boy. He's a boy that lives in a bubble. And is this bubble plastic or is it an igloo? <laughs> no, that's what I thought it would be an igloo, but it turns out that it's actually a bubble. I have to say that the, it, even if it's plastic, it should be a thicker plastic than whatever it was. Than the dry cleaning plastic? Yes, definitely. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about the bubble boy, which in my mind, uh, one of my favorite episodes of the show, not to uh, spoil anything. We'll talk about in practice uh, just how great the bubble boy ultimately was. And uh, lots of fun on a uh, one of a the more well-known episodes of Seinfeld that we've talked about to this point. Episode number 47. Uh, yeah. 47. Yes. Okay. We're, so almost, we're almost done. Here we are. Here we are, Akiva. The bubble boy. They said we'd never make it. Did they really? I think somebody must have said something. Probably. I mean, once we made it past about six or seven, there's no turning back. Yeah. So here we are. Time to talk about the bubble boy. Uh, directed by Tom Sharonis, of course. Written by Larry David and Larry Charles. And here we are. It's the story of the continuing story from season four of, you know, Jerry and George are going to go up to a cabin with Susan. But on the day before, you know, Jerry's in the diner. He runs into uh, Brian Doyle Murray, who is a Yoohoo truck driver who recruits Jerry to come and visit the bubble boy. Jerry ultimately never makes it there because George drives too fast. George and Susan hang out with the bubble boy and uh, things get out of hand. Uh, yeah, they get really out of hand. Things get very out of hand. All right. So Akiva, very excited to talk about the bubble boy here today. Akiva, uh, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. I feel like it's been a while. I feel like it's been a long time since we've done this. I'm, you know, it has. To, to come to this episode, you know, it's very exciting. Yes. Last week I was in Las Vegas for the new media expo. So we didn't get to record on our normal time. So we are recording this one uh, after the episode normally goes up, but we're going to rush this one, get it up, try to get it up for Monday night of this week. And then we'll have another episode coming up this weekend. Uh, yeah, you're bearing the lead. Uh, what happened at the New Media Expo? Yes, well, we won uh, two podcast awards for Rob Has a Podcast. So uh, very exciting times, Akiva. Best Entertainment Podcast of the Year and the People's Choice Podcast of the Year. So uh, you are podcasting with the People's Champion. That's uh, that, that's right. Although I saw a picture of The Rock posted of himself on uh, on uh, Twitter that someone po retweeted today. I'm not sure you would want to mess with the real people's champion. Yes. Well, he's not his legs are bigger than your body. Yes. But um, I don't want to be a Kiwi downer here. But, uh, you know, you may have won two podcast awards. But uh, just now, the uh, Pulitzer Prizes came out within the last hour. Yes. And uh, oh, for all of them. Yes, for me. For you, you did not win a Pulitzer Prize this okay. year. Well, that was because I didn't campaign. Yeah, do you, is that what it was? <laughs> I mean, if it was a fan vote, yeah. uh, sure. They have I a think fan I vote. There's probably a miscellaneous, right? If there was a fan vote, then I would have a chance as the, uh, the People's Choice podcaster. But if there's no fan vote, I don't have a chance. Well, they don't even have a podcasting category. <laughs> I, I, that's part of it. It's probably just, uh, you know, an error. The next year, they'll have a, the podcasting category. Maybe I could win like a Podlitzer award. Uh, yeah, that's not bad. I think, uh, uh, what's it called? Would you, would, what would be more exciting? Uh, the winning a Pulitzer or um, a Peabody? Boy, I don't know the difference. I would have to say the Pulitzer because I've heard of it more. Do you think the series, so serial won a Peabody, but yes. obviously they're still smarting because you beat it for the overall best overall podcast. Yes. <laughs> best overall. So do you yes. think, uh, do you think that sort of like they're still, you know, are they over it now? Are they over losing to you or? Well, like was this, it a fan the Peabody vote for the Peabody? I mean, I feel like the, the fans have, have spoken Akiva. It's a, you know, if some, if some like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not like uh, in the inner circle. Uh, that I can't win a Peabody Award. All, all I can do is, if you let the fans vote, I've got a shot. 
Yeah, I think it's political. That's what you're saying. Sarah Koenig is, is up there with the bigwigs at the Peabody's. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There's, you know, I'm not hobnobbing and rubbing elbows with all these hoity-toity uh, you know, people that make these podcast uh, or Peabody Awards. Yeah, I think, but I, I think you've conquered the podcast awards world. I think now it's on to bigger and better things. Move on. Like, yeah. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Is there any Seinfeld news uh, this week? Yeah, um, I'll give you a small piece of news. So, um, Julia Louis Dreyfus's uh, show Veep started its fourth season. Yes. And um, if you remember, in the uh, last two part episode we did, The Wallet and the Watch, I believe in The Wallet, uh, when Crazy Joe Devola comes over to Elaine, uh, she says that uh, she's really uh, on, he would recognize her from Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. because she carved her face over uh, Roosevelt. Yes. And in the, uh, the ads that I've been seeing for season four of Veep, uh, it's Mount Rushmore and uh, spoiler alert because Elaine's character has now become president. She's no longer Veep. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, you know, she, so she's now on Mount Rushmore in the ads. It's yeah. an ad. So it's over Teddy it's, Roosevelt. No. So that's the issue. Oh. It's Roosevelt. The thing about Roosevelt and Mount Rushmore, uh, he's really buried in the back. If you look at a picture of Mount Rushmore. Yes. His publicist was probably furious when Mount Rushmore came out. Did he like have it commissioned? Because he's like the only modern guy. What is it? It's I don't Washington, know. Jefferson, Lincoln, and then Roosevelt. I probably should have looked that up before, but I, I'm not sure. But certainly, it had, you know, Washington and Lincoln were long dead. Yeah. Um, and, and Jefferson. But anyway, she's over Thomas Jefferson's face, not Roosevelt's. Yeah. Like, I feel like that if you told somebody name the top four presidents, so if it was like on Family Feud, I feel like mm-hmm. you'd get to, you know, Washington. Uh, Jefferson, Lincoln. Uh, and then I feel like Teddy Roosevelt would probably not be the number four answer. But also, if you guess Roosevelt, I don't know if they have Jeopardy rules oh, where you can just say a last name. Be more you specific. get two for the price of one. Yeah, I even well, think FDR better than Teddy Roosevelt. Right. And uh, well, I guess if you guess Adams, you also get two. Bush, you get two, but you're not going to get a ton of answers. And um, oh, what's the fourth one? I'm blanking on the fourth one. There's two of them. Clinton. Uh, uh, Harrison. There's two Harrisons. Okay. <laughs> All right. I believe not related. Okay. All right, Keith, you ready to jump into this talking about the bubble boy? Yeah, I'm excited to talk about the bubble boy. Okay. So the stand up at the start of this episode is uh, Jerry talking about how people go out and they actually leave. They call you and they hope to get your machine. And then when you come home, you know, you want to play the messages. Has there been any more dated piece of stand up than this here? It's really dated, but part of it rings true to me in that when I call someone, I usually don't want them to pick up. Because you want to leave the voicemail? I find that in 2015, that only if it's like a business call, is anybody even leaving a message? Yeah, no, I, I won't leave a message. I have not left a message other than like, the only time I'll ever leave a message is maybe with my parents or someone just to like mm-hmm. get it on the record that I called, yes. you know, got to get the record in like, Hey, what's going on? Uh, Hey, it's, uh, you know, Sunday at four o'clock. Uh, you know, I tried to call. Didn't you must not, you must be busy. You must be too busy. All right. I'll talk to you whenever Bye. <laughs> I'll talk to you on Tuesday. I'm, I'm going to yeah. be out of town talk next, you next week. This was you. You missed the window. This was your call for the week. <laughs> That's right. You should have been by the phone 24 hours a day. Yeah. But I like, you know, you get a, a, a message and it's either like, a, you know, somebody who's like trying to sell you something or somebody about something business related. Like, not that I have any friends calling me, but I feel like it's very rare to have an, a, a person you have a personal relationship with even leave you a message. Yeah, I would say uh, I just switched phones and my old phone I had for over two years and I never even learned how to an- listen to the voicemails. Yeah, the text message has replaced the voicemail message in terms of communication between somebody and hoping to get the message. Yeah. If I, if I had to make an important work, um, an important work, uh, call and they didn't answer, I wouldn't leave the message. I just follow up with an email. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, nobody is rooting for the answering machine or the voicemail anymore. No, it's dated. Yeah. A lot of things in this episode are dated. There are people that get mad at you if you leave them a voicemail. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to answer it again. I literally don't know how to. So I won't get mad. I just won't answer. <laughs> All right. So the episode starts where Jerry comes home with the woman, Naomi. Is it Naomi or Naomi? I think it's, I think it's Naomi, but we'll it's pretty Naomi. interchangeable. Okay. Naomi 
And this is the waitress from the restaurant where Jerry was in for the wallet and the watch. And, you know, he's talking about how that he ate too much garlic. He thought it was peanuts. She laughs and does the laugh like. <laughs> I mean, she does. I'm assuming that's not her real laugh. Like that is a really good. Uh, I don't know if they came up with the Elmer Fudd in a juicer first or if the, they came up with the laugh first, but it is a really good fake laugh. Yeah. You know what? And I might even say we had this debate. I think it was two weeks ago on the podcast. Is she pretty or beautiful? I don't know. I might yeah. be coming around on Naomi. She looks better in this episode, right? Yeah, she does. She does. She didn't look that great at the restaurant, but I'm, I'm coming around. She may be beautiful. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I, she, yeah, she's a good looking lady. I, she, for whatever reason, looks better this episode. Yes. And so she wants to watch the naked gun. Jerry says, no, he doesn't want to watch that. He, you know, he, he's a serious guy. He doesn't want to. He's not a happy go lucky guy. Who knew the naked gun movies were comedies? I've never seen them. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jerry suggests watching Holocaust. Is that a movie? I don't There must be a movie named Holocaust. Uh, I don't think they made up a movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't like it's pre Schindler's List. Pre Schindler's joke, List, so. of course. Yeah, no, of that, course we that. know we see Schindler's List in, in the theater soon. So. Yes. So I don't know. I don't know what that is, but that's what Jerry suggests watching. And then he goes and plays his messages, and George leaves the message, which is a very um, unlucky moment for Jerry that George leaves the message and basically says, "Hey, so what's going on with going to the cabin this weekend?" Uh, that you're going with Naomi. I know that you said you like her, but her laugh is like Elmer Fudd sitting on the juicer. Uh, just, just to uh, just to clarify, uh, Holocaust was a miniseries in the late seventies with James Woods and Meryl Streep, <laughs> okay. according to IMDb. A miniseries. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, I think that's who, like is George to blame here for leaving that message, or is Jerry to blame for? for, you know, playing the message in front of her. Yeah, I have that in my notes of whose fault is this? And um, I would actually want to table that discussion until we get to Jerry and George uh, coming up in the next scene fighting about it. All right. Okay. So let's just deal with Jerry's reaction here. He ends up pulling the vo the answering machine out of the wall and then uh, Naomi gets mad and she ends up leaving. Yeah, very rare uh, instance of physical comedy by Jerry. <laughs> yes. He always looks awkward doing physical I comedy. I did think it was funny that he just pulls the answering machine out of the wall. It would have been, yeah, he should have thrown it at the window while he was there. Yeah. And he says, no, Elmer Fudd is a beloved cartoon character and Juicer is a very healthy way to go. <laughs> it's very funny. Okay, so here comes the next scene and it's Jerry and George and they're sort of arguing about this. Who is in the wrong here? Who was the person? Should George have never left the message or should Jerry have not played the message? I think they're both wrong because George needs to know, right, that if Jerry has this girlfriend who I guess is serious at this point, we really don't learn a lot about the relationship. There's a good chance she's going to be there. So if you don't answer the phone, uh, you hear the message, even if you don't press play on it. Right. So it's going to it's going to come through if she's in the house. Mm -hmm. uh, so George definitely has the blame. But Jerry, uh, you know, Jerry, if he's since he's playing it here and it's not just being left straight while he's while they're in the apartment, he's got to know that, you know, let's say it's, uh, you know, it, there could be his doctor calling, say he's got some kind of disease. Like, yeah, there could be another woman calling. It's like, uh, like, hey, Jerry, like, uh, remember that? Remember weekend? me? I was last episode's girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Remember me? I was your girlfriend from two weeks ago. Uh, let's get back together. I'm, I'm blue sweatpants. Let's you know, I've been thinking about you. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think uh, they're both in the wrong here. Yes, yeah, so I think that probably Jerry is more in the wrong. I think that Jerry should not have played the answering machine. You've, you've gotten me to come around. I mean, what are the odds when you're playing it, when you're Jerry? Like, George knows that he has something that's bad if it's heard. Jerry doesn't know when he's playing it that something bad is coming out of this answering machine. Like, it's probably going to be his mother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just a million bad things it could have been. It could have yeah, been Uncle it, Leo. It could have been, you know. Yeah. A million, a million, it could have been Kramer leaving some sort of crazy message. So nothing, no upside here. No upside at all. That's true. There was, there, the ceiling was, was very low. And he could have waited till she went to the bathroom. That's true also. Maybe she has super hearing yes. though. But Jerry says that him dating a woman with a bad laugh would be like Coco Chanel going out with a fishmonger. And I only like this because... Uh, I think of the woman, uh, Lydia from Survivor Guatemala, that was a fishmonger. That's right. <laughs> she did not last long. She did last long. She came in. Oh, yes, she did. Fourth. That's right. That's right. She came in fourth fishmonger. Okay. So 
Anyway, they're talking about that they need a new uh, fill-in because it's going to be like, basically they need four people to go to the cabin and they're talking about asking Elaine, but then they say, well, then we have to ask Kramer and no Kramer. This is established that Susan hates Kramer. We don't want him at the cabin. Yes, Susan really has done a complete 180 on Kramer because she was just hitting on him the last time she (laughs) saw him. Yes, but then he threw up on her. Then he threw up on her. I guess all bets are off at that point. All bets are off. Now, Kramer comes in and he's acting kind of weird. Like, right? He's talking, he's like, uh, top of the morning to you. And is this because he still got kicked in the head by crazy Joe Davola? I don't know because he doesn't continue this. I, I mean, when he's in the car with Naomi, he also uh, is speaking in another language also. Yeah. I mean, he also, he doesn't have a ton of heavy lifting to the last minute or two of the episode. So they may just be giving him something to do. Maybe. But I wonder if that's uh, still side effects of the concussion from Crazy Joe Davola where he's acting weird. But it's a good question. Anyway, he's going to end up going to go play golf at Westchester. He met a golf pro and then he is going to uh, let him come play golf in exchange for one of these Cuban cigars. How many cigars does Kramer have? I mean, he got one box of cigars. He's been smoking them nonstop since like five episodes ago. Yeah. How many cigars come in a box? At most 20, right? Yeah. 20, 24. Um, yeah, and it could be less. It wasn't a big box. I mean, is he lighting them and then putting them out and then relighting them? Well, clearly, right? I mean, he left his even on the, if you, you know, later on in this episode, he just leaves it lying around. Like, he's not finishing them in one shot. Yeah, what we need to do is do a Kramer cigar count. I, we'd have to probably assume that he only is smoking the cigars in the episodes where we see him. But, I mean, he's got one where he lights his hair on fire. He's got one with the psychiatrist. I think he gives Dr. Reston a, a Cuban, yeah. right? Yes. Uh, he gives the golf pro a Cuban. Uh, you know, he's got, he's got it here. Um, he drops one in Susan's house. Is he smoking in, this, in the car? So, I mean, this cigar count has got to be very high at this point. Unless he's really just reusing, unless he's getting, you know, a day out of each one. Yeah. Okay. But then the rest of them go up at the cabin, right? So that's it for the Cubans. Well, we, yeah, I mean, he does try and get in, but we know he does not get in because next episode deals with him getting more. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. So anyway, that he cannot, Kramer cannot go to uh, the cabin because he's going to go play golf at Westchester and Jerry and George see this as an opportunity to invite him now, knowing that he cannot do it. So what do you think about a move like this in general? Inviting some, someone to an event you know they can't I go like to. I like it, Akiva. You do? I do like this. And... Kramer's like, well, can I golf up there? Like, no, no golf. It's pie country. And then they go, they have sort of like a funny, <laughs> uh, they're just like listing off all, all the pies, like, uh, you know, blueberry, raspberry, raspberry, <laughs> cranberry, cranberry, boysenberry. Uh, I think that that's very fun. The pie talk. Peach. Peach. Yeah, that's how they, la- they end on. But yeah, I like this idea. Um, so I was discussing this with someone who was getting married and it was like a destination wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they said they're not inviting like all of their parents, friends, like their parents, close friends who they'd normally invite if they were getting married in Florida where they live. Right. You know, their, their parents like first tier friends. And that is generally going to be your biggest gift givers, right? Cause when you get married in your twenties, like your friends aren't giving you great gifts necessarily. Right. So who's giving you the big money? That's going to be your parents, friends, your parents, friends. I mean, I, I don't. I guess my parents didn't really have a lot of friends. I feel like the parents' friends, I mean, it's okay. Well, I, I also, I mean, it may be a cultural thing because, and also I was so young when I got married, but my parents invited like all their friends to my wedding because they paid for it. Yes. Okay. So, but like it may be a cultural party. thing. Yeah. It was, it wasn't their party, but they, they got to invite, their, like I got to invite my friends, but they also got to invite their friends. And I, I think in the, you know, how, how I grew up, I think that was normal anyway. So she uh, didn't want to do it, this girl. Mm-hmm. She did not want to invite her parents' friends, even though she knew it was she was not going to get a lot of, especially if people are coming a far away, they're not also going to, you know, top on like a huge gift if they're, you know, you know, spending the money on a plane ticket and a hotel and whatever. Yeah. So she didn't want to invite these people because she knew that they couldn't come. There was no way they were coming. Yeah, but then they send a gift. That's like the best thing to do. So that's what I said. Like, just get the money. Like, they're not going to be offended. They're not going to think you're trying to gouge them for a gift. Because they would always be um, invited. In fact, it may offend them that they're not invited to the wedding, even though, of course, they're not coming to the wedding. Mm-hmm. But she did not invite them. She uh, forego the money. Yeah, well, that's just silly. Wedding. That's like, I mean, that's the Sue Ellen Mishki. Yeah, it was too honest, honestly. Yeah. 
No, Sue Ellen Mishki, isn't that exa- exactly what she did by getting married in India? What, forewent all the gifts? No, she only invited people to the wedding because she thought they weren't going to come and, oh, leave, yeah, yeah. and oh, give okay. gifts. Sorry, yeah, 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 yes, yes. She only invited people who weren't, who she thought wouldn't come. Yeah. That's correct. Well, that's but, good that your friend's girlfriend or fiance or wife at this point is, is a bizarro Sue Ellen Mishki. That's good. Uh, yeah, a bizarre. That's the first time she's ever been called that, I can assure you. I, I assume you. she wears a bra also. <laughs> it's my sister's sister. It's my wife's sister, so I have not asked. Okay, yes. <laughs> and she's not the heir to a candy bar fortune, I assume. Uh, she is, uh, uh, no, not, a, no. There's, uh, you know, a very small construction company. Okay, so she is a bizarre swell in Mishki. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, congratulations uh, to your brother-in-law? Uh, sister-in-law. Sister-in-law. Well, and, and I guess, well, no, by the way, this is a fight I always have with people. If you, if you and someone else marry siblings, people always call them your brother and sister or sister-in-law. But I say, no, you're not married to the person. Yeah, well, who, I was trying to congratulate the guy who was married to the bizarre. Oh, I got it. I got it. But yeah, I guess but that would but still not be your brother-in-law. Yeah, according to me, I think a lot of people would argue with me. Yeah, I don't know what that's called. Tell us in the comments. Tell us in the comments. All right, let's get to... Then Kramer is, you know, dis- disappointed, but looks like they've bested Kramer here. He can't go. All right. So Jerry and Elaine are in the diner and Elaine doesn't want to go to the cabin. And, you know, they're trying to talk her into it. Also, Jerry has a headshot that he's giving to his dry cleaner, which says, uh, I'm very impressed. To me, this yeah. was worse than nothing could be finer than eating in your diner. Yeah, but the thing is, it's so obviously a bad pun. It's even like before when he made the joke about Coco Chanel and the fishmonger, but he's selling it in such a way that he knows it's a bad joke and he's explaining it. Yeah. Whereas the other one, it's like he's trying to be funny uh, and failing. Where here, it's just a pun. All right. So here's Brian Doyle Murray who sees Jerry. And again, this Tonight Show spot that he just did, boy, even though he didn't do great, that he got a lot of fans out of this. Listen, it was it was the early 90s. You know, how many, like 15 million Hammer people time, were watching right? It was hammer time. During hammer time, people loved Jay Leno. Yes. He was getting probably like 15 million viewers a night. Yeah, Jerry was just killing it. And so here's Brian Doyle Murray and he recognizes Jerry and he says that his son, Donald, has a rare immune deficiency. He lives in a bubble. Yeah, I think also it must be be mentioned that uh, when he says he's a Yoohoo driver. Yeah. I think uh, when Jerry says, I love Yoohoo and he deadpans, like it's a fine product. Yeah, that's that's my favorite line in the whole episode. (laughs) (laughs) So I I love anytime they talk about the bubble boy that they just like uh, back and forth. He's a bubble boy, a bubble boy. Yes, he's a a boy who lives in a bubble, a bubble. Oh, boy. You know, they they just they they do this like three or four times in the episode. I I really enjoy all that also. Yeah, because if you met someone uh, who knew a bubble boy, you would ask them a lot of questions. But if they were the person's dad, you would probably understand like the societal rules dictate. You can't ask. Too many questions, especially trivial ones like who gets the remote or but, who invaded Spain in the eighth century. That's right. But I think the Seinfeld characters, what we love about them is that they don't really understand social norms at all. Yeah. So they right. can ask these questions. <laughs> so apparently Donald is like a prisoner. They've sacrificed everything for this bubble boy. Um, I like that. You know, they have a lot of questions. Elaine is asking uh, who has the remote? It is a good question because if you can't pass it back and forth. Yeah. I mean, he's it's his room. Like they must have another room with a TV, you know? Mm-hmm. This looks like a bedroom, right? Yeah. Um, one of the other things I really like in this scene is like, you know, Bubble Boy's dad is like getting emotional about the bubble. We've sacrificed everything for the Bubble Boy, and and he's he's like crying, and Elaine is crying, and Jerry is also taking a napkin, but he's like blotting his face. <laughs> like it's it's very dark that Jerry is like doesn't even stop eating during all all of this. So I I was laughing during that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jerry really has no feelings. Yeah. Um, and it was something that they talked about in the inside looks for this episode that, you know, it was very important that you would never see the bubble boy because you would really get sad if you actually saw the bubble boy. But the fact that you never see him and he's such a jerk makes it very funny. Uh, right. And you, yeah, you might root for him also. Like he's, he's kind of a bad guy. So yes. yep. you're not, you know, if you saw him, you would either feel bad or you'd be upset about like how, how shoddy like his outfit was. Yeah. You know, cause even his arm is really, you know, pretty, uh, looks very cheap. No. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. So we end up with, you know, Jerry getting propositioned about the bubble boy. And then, uh, we go back to Jerry's apartment. 
And uh, we have this discussion over, you know, Jerry can't go to the cabin now because he has to go see the bubble boy. It's his birthday. Yeah, I like the chutzpah on uh, on Mr. Sanger just asking him to drive to upstate without knowing that he's going up there also. Yes, but it works out. It's it's uh, a lucky coincidence because he just ha- so happens to be going to the cabin. Susan knows where it is. He could stop at the Bubble Boy's house and then go on to the cabin. This is great. Is it a big coincidence or a small coincidence? I'd say this is a big coincidence. Are there such things as big coincidences? I believe that there are. Okay. Yes. Now we've, now we've settled that. <laughs> yes. I maintain there are still big coincidences or small coincidences. Um, and so Kramer ends up uh, coming in and uh, Kramer is uh, ready to go golf, right? Uh, yeah, he's all ready to go to the Westchester uh, Country Club. But he's smoking one of the cigars. Uh, but maybe it's the same one. It could be one of the same one. But Susan is like, hey, isn't, isn't that one of the cigars that I gave you? Like, And they just like, sh- like usher Susan out the door. Right. So that's, you know, I always talk about like the sitcom me where like, no one hears what the other person's saying. Yeah, you know, just to like further the story. Yeah. Um, okay, Akiva. So let's get to driving up to go see the Bubble Boy. And while I think at different points in Seinfeld they've done a better job with the driving scenes here, like it seems like in both Jerry's car and in the car that George is driving, and then later in the car that Kramer is driving, they just sort of like fill up the back of the car with so much stuff that you they don't even want to pay for like the background of driving. Which is, I think, I think that's smart because they've done such a bad job with the back of the car. You may as well just give up until, you know, until the uh, set design team gets a little better. Well, it's no wonder that George loses Jerry because his, the entire back window of his car is completely just filled up with stuff. Which is crazy because how long are they going away for? They're two people. Yes. I don't know. What are they packing in there? I mean, even Jerry and Elaine, they have so much stuff. Yeah, but like, are they such crazy packers? Like, what could be... It's a small cabin. Like, what could they possibly be bringing? I don't know. <laughs> really, they just have so much junk just filling up the car. But anyway, so they end up with going uh, along, and George is driving too fast because he likes to make good time. Uh, yeah, George, I think... If, if you'd say, what is George most proud of in the world... It, it is how, how his driving skills, I think. Akiva, did it jump out to you in this episode how handsy... Susan is with George throughout this entire episode. Yeah, so it's worth it's worth mentioning about Susan for a second. Um, you know, so of course, one of the reasons it came out afterwards, one of the reasons they kill off Susan's character is because the entire series, Jason Alexander is complaining that she like doesn't really know what she's doing and she's not a great actress and they have no chemistry. Mm. And everyone just said, you're crazy, she's fine. Until in the seventh season when Jerry, Elaine and Kramer had to work with her and they're like, oh my God, like, why didn't you tell us earlier? And, and Jason said, I did, you know, really, just, I didn't know this, that the, everybody uh, was out on uh, what's her name? Heidi Swedberg. Yeah. So uh, uh, Jason Alexander says this years later in an interview um, that he that they killed her off because they didn't like her character. And and sometimes you think, oh, that probably means she's a jerk like Elaine's dad, like Alton Bennis. Right. Right. But he he claims. And again, it's a Hollywood person like they might be lying, but he claims she's ab- ab- absolutely lovely as a person. They really liked her personally. They just didn't think that she was a good fit acting wise for the show. And that really, and we mentioned this a few episodes ago, she was only picked because of the throwaway line that George says in Monks, like, oh, I really like that girl in the meeting. Wow. And so, so really, that's crazy because they keep bringing her back. Right. So what's interesting. So now, uh, now that we're looking at Susan through this prism, the fact that she's making eye contact with the wrong actor uh, a few episodes ago, right? With Kramer. And and she's being really weird in this episode. And uh, maybe they told her to be touchy, but she's doing the ear thing, which I assume is in the script because they discuss it. Or she's just like all over him. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she's just awkward. I don't know. Um, Jerry has a weird line in the car when he's driving that they said, boy, what's going on with George and Susan? And Jerry says, I don't know if he likes her as much as he likes it. What's it? Sex? Is that the it? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Although he did say that kissing was was uh, counted as sex last season. <laughs> so it could be, you know, anything under that rubric. I mean, so the idea is that George is just so horny that he is with Susan. I mean, but they're I mean, they've got this big deal going on at NBC that, you know, the whole reason George is with Susan is because he's horny. That's it. I mean, it's it's a fair question, right? Because it's also like Jerry should be more nervous about this because this is clearly at some point going to blow up in his face and ruin the show. Right. 
Like, I think you would read him the riot act before. George, do not blow this. He's like, but, but you know, if George is just saying like, well, I don't really like her, but, you know, she's there, you know? Yeah, but that's like if you it's like you talking to your one year old before you take him to a store like you better behave like that doesn't do anything. Telling George to act normally, you know, is not going to it's not really going to you know work. All right. Well, George is driving like 100 miles an hour and he ends up losing Jerry. And uh, Jerry is calling him a stupid idiot. Yeah. And I, I think, it, it, you know, it should be said now that uh, of all the things so far that have been dated for like if a kid was watching this, they wouldn't even fathom what was happening. Right. Right. Why, why don't they text them? Right. Like, what is that? Like, why they're just they lost them? forever. Yeah. They're never going to see them again. Like, <laughs> they'll see them again Monday morning. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They just have to go home, turn around and go home. That's the only solution to this problem. You almost need like a safety place. Like if you don't see me by four o'clock, like meet me off, you know, exit 42 or something. Okay. So George just says, okay, we'll just meet them at the Bubble Boy's house. Uh, He doesn't know where the Bubble Boy's house is though. Yes. And Jerry doesn't know where the Bubble Boy's house is. That's right. And he says, you make all these plans and now the whole weekend is ruined. Boy, Jerry really had a lot invested in this cabin weekend. I feel like if Jerry, uh, you know, he gets sort of guilted into going to see the Bubble Boy, but I think that Jerry would probably end up saying like, well, I tried to go to the cabin that George lost me. I guess I'll have to go home. I guess I got my weekend back as opposed to my weekend is ruined now. Yeah, it's a little out of character for him to want to do something so far away. Also, Jerry's blaming George, but Jerry, as we learned soon, had directions in his apartment. He just forgot them. He left them there. So, Or at least right. the address. So the Seinfeld can't drive is what George uh, ultimately chalks this all up to. Uh, so he's just going to go to the Bubble Boy's house and hope that Jerry shows up. I think it's the first time he calls him Seinfeld. It's weird, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) That's right. All right. So let's go back to Jerry's apartment. Kramer is there. And I'm not sure exactly what Kramer is doing uh, in the apartment, but he ends up answering the phone when it rings. Well, we know he got his key back. Yes, he got the keys back. He got key (laughs) privileges. Yes, from the evil ogre. And he is the, the young prince is able to get back into the castle. And he answers the phone. Because Naomi is calling and saying she changes her mind. We never really find out what was the disconnect. Like, why did Naomi go from, I hate you, you said I sound like Elmer Fudd on a juicer, to sort of like, I guess she's like, I guess I do sound like Elmer Fudd on a juicer. I mean, I think I, I think she realized, like, am I going to break up with this guy because he made a joke not in front of me? She has to know. Do you think it's possible that she's gone through her whole life without someone telling her she has a bad laugh? I mean, if it's that bad, somebody probably said something. Right. So I, I, she's probably sensitive about it. So she left. And it was an embarrassing way to find out about it because she knows that other people are making fun of it behind her back. This guy was just on The Tonight Show. He's about to blow up. Right. You should probably hit your wagon to that train. Yeah. So she's going to do that. And so Kramer's golf weekend got canceled. So he's going to take Naomi up to <laughs> go to the um, cabin. He has the directions because Jerry left them in, that, in the apartment. That's paying dividends now. That's right. Okay, and we see Kramer and Naomi driving in the car. Kramer, he doesn't have all stuff in his car. He just has like his back window is just like completely like like uh, almost like one of those like windows that you'd have in like in your bathroom that's just like frosted rear window. Yeah, and I'm surprised his cigars didn't fill up uh, didn't fill up his his whole back seat. Right. Okay, so we get to George arriving at the Bubble Boys' house, and again, Susan is like really like molesting George on the front steps of the bubble boys house. It's weird. And let me just say, I hope this was in the script. Oh, you think that maybe, <laughs> uh, Heidi Swedberg, uh, had the hots for, or she was improving this. I don't, I don't know. You know what Heidi Swedberg does now, by the way, acting coach. Uh, nope. She's a ukulele teacher. Yes. Even better. Even Should better. I, she'll do private Skype lessons. Should I get a private Skype lesson? Because she does beginners, I checked, and then uh, report back to people. How much does it cost? I, this, that's my question. I feel like she's in LA. It's probably exorbitant, right? How much could it be for a ukulele lesson? Well, let me ask you a question. The other way, how cheap could it possibly be? Boy, I, uh, for a ukulele lesson from Heidi Swedberg, for what is it, one hour? Uh, probably like, you know, they like to do 50 minutes. We found out in uh, The Walt and the Watch. Yes. Okay. I would say my over under. On one hour, ukulele, Heidi Swedberg, L.A., over Skype, I will say that will cost $125. Okay, I think that it's probably not cheaper than that, right? There's no way it's less than 100 And there's a chance it could be like insane or more likely you have to buy a package of like 10 for 1500 bucks or something. Something like that. 
So, but I can I can send her an email. I'm not above sending Heidi Swift. I know how much it costs. Yeah. But I also I don't have a ukulele. Am I going to buy a ukulele? You're just not to really going to take the ukulele lesson. Yeah, I guess I, I was willing to go all the way, but you just gave me you, you got me out of it. Fine. <laughs> I mean, we just want to get the quote. Okay, I'll get the I can get the quote if it's I, reasonable. I, we'll get you a ukulele. Well, what if, what if, well, I also want to get her on the podcast. She has like 12 followers on Twitter. I do want to get her at some point. Well, maybe I think you have to get the ukulele lesson first and then hit it off and then it'd be like, uh, well, oh, by plan. the way, yeah. The problem is I don't know what, like I literally can't do anything with music. Like I, it, the second she sees me, I'm going to become like that student. Like it won't even be worth her $1,500 an hour because like, she's just going to want to kill herself. Like I'm that bad with music. She's just going to want to lick a bunch of stamps. <laughs> she's going to lick a bunch of stamps <laughs> and just get, <laughs> get it over envelopes with. to get away from you. Yeah. A hundred percent. Okay. All right. Well, let us know. Follow up with that. Okay. I will. I will. I will do that. Okay, so then okay, we need her to come on and rebuttal the allegations that she was uh, such a bad actress that they killed her off. I'm not going to bring that up on the Skype call. I think we wait till the end of the interview on the podcast to bring that up. Is yes, that fair? Yes. Because <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting hung up on. No, and this is how we would do it. We would be like, uh, all right. Now, Heidi, w now what do you make of this urban legend that some people are saying, some people have said this crazy idea that what do you mm -hmm. say to your critics that have said that people wrote they wrote you off of Seinfeld because you were a bad actress? Yeah, that's that's ridiculous, right? Uh, yeah, I've never heard anything about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. And so what is, then that's just one of these things we have to shoot down because we don't want that floating around. Right, but but she also uh, it's on YouTube. Jason Alexander says <laughs> it on YouTube. <laughs> now it'll, it'll be hard for her to shoot down. Yeah, let's uh, let, let me just quote. play this clip. Hold on here. Of Jason Alexander. Well, now, what is he talking about? He's crazy, right? <laughs> Guys, got to make them feel safe. Yeah, you got to feel like they're comfortable. Uh, you know, it's a safe place. That's right. For Heidi Swedberg. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody warned her not to come on the show, guys. Well, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, nobody, nobody, you know, jump in front of us in line on the ukulele lessons. They don't take ukulele lessons from Akiva. He's a bad oh, guy. That's, oh, my gosh. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So then they're on the steps and yeah, like Susan is like all over George and she's like, uh, hey, what's the matter? What are you, a prude? And George is like, I'm not a prude. He just can't face the bubble boy. Yeah, and this story is a little convoluted, right? Like he he killed his grandmother with a reaction. He didn't necessarily kill her, but she died two months earlier than she was supposed to die because of George's reaction. Now, Amir gave us a list of characters that that, that have been killed. And I don't think we read it yet because we want him to you know really hone this list and maybe give it to us at some point in the future. Is this on the list? Like no. did George kill his grandma? No, he didn't kill her. He just made her die faster. So he's like uh, George Kevorkian. Yeah, that would actually be a great defense in a murder case. You know, it's like uh, your honor. <laughs> she was dying anyway. <laughs> my client did not commit a murder. They were dying anyway. And they just sped that up. They they that she, that, that person just died earlier because of my, they were that, that my, they didn't kill them. They just made them die sooner. What do you think? Yeah, he's get, he's getting hung. He's getting the chair. <laughs> All right. So we see Jerry and Elaine in the diner and Jerry's very upset. The weekend is ruined and Jerry orders, I believe, a coffee and a club sandwich. Elaine doesn't want anything. Jerry, I feel like, is very weird about this. So like, Elaine, you have to order something. He doesn't want it. It's not a park bench. You can't just get water. I mean, places usually have a rule about this, right? Like if there's really a firm rule, uh, you know, that's fine. But I, I don't I don't think so. It's not like uh, it's no sharing. It's a diner. Yeah. If Jerry is ordering, what the hell does Elaine need to order? If, if you know, if me and you were talking, you're hungry, I'm not. And you order, a, you know, a sandwich in a in a diner. They're not going to say, hey, well, what are you having? Like, oh, I'm, not, I'm just here to talk to him. Like, <laughs> I don't think so. Right. If you're at a really fancy restaurant and you're taking a spot that someone else could have and you're like, oh, no, I'm good. I don't I don't eat. You know, I ate already. That's one thing, but it's a diner with empty seats. Like they don't care. Nobody would care. I don't even think at the expensive restaurant, you know. No, some places have rules. Like, can you really just sit there? Because I think it's it's a sharing rule, right? Like some places have no sharing. So if you say I'm not ordering anything, they're going to say like, oh yeah, because you're going to pick off Rob's plate. I know that. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> Jerry really gets on Elaine's case, and especially because Jerry's going to be the one paying. I'm sure. So I don't know yeah, why. I thought that was weird too. He's getting on Elaine's case, and then. 
you know, Elaine ends up making fun of him because the woman or teases him because the woman is like, hey, don't I know you? And he's like, no. And she's like, and Elaine's like, yeah, he's famous. He was on the Tonight Show. And then Elaine volunteers to have an autographed picture. And he says he doesn't have them. And Elaine says, no, they're in the car. And then Elaine goes out to the car to get them. And Jerry is like, like he's getting Elaine so bad. He's like, uh, yeah, she'll have uh, the broiled chicken. Like, well, you're going to be the one paying for this, Jerry. Right. Joke's on you, buddy. And like, is that really like the weirdest thing you could order, Elaine? (laughs) Yeah. And wasn't she a vegetarian? (laughs) Well, maybe she's so hungry. I don't know. Uh, Just uh, this whole diner part is a little off to me. You know, as much as I like the Bubble Boy stuff, I do feel like this part in the diner, I think, is the worst part of this episode. Uh, Yeah. And and I have a complaint here. I, the, the diner stuff is the reason why if this episode is not as high as someone would think it would be without giving it away, it's because of the diner stuff and because uh, the end, which we'll get to. Yeah, this whole subplot of Jerry and Elaine at this diner, I feel like, just uh, doesn't really resonate with me. So we go back to George and Susan at the Bubble Boy's house. They're sitting with Bubble Boy's parents. And again, they're talking about a lot of people think it's like an igloo, but it's not an igloo. Yeah, uh, I thought it was an igloo. Yeah. And then I like this part where they talk about like, so he has to make his own bed and Bubble Boy's mom is like, yeah, that's one of the things that we fight about. Like it was, it was very, that's a really good line. Very real look into the Bubble Boy's life. <laughs> All right. So Bubble Boy loves games. Why don't you go play Trivial Pursuit with the Bubble Boy? Uh, yeah. What could be like, why is it? And Trivial Pursuit's just lying there. Like why, why only Trivial Pursuit? Hmm. Yeah, I guess that uh, the Bubble Boy, but though he probably has like memorized all of the cards. Yeah, it's a good point. I bet he knows all of them. Yeah, that's what I think. That's the, the biggest problem with playing Trivial Pursuit with the Bubble Boy. That's why well, he's Well, it's so the problem good. with Trivial Pursuit in general. Like, there are not enough cards in the game. You could tell when you play with someone who's already played a few times, like, they know some of the answers already. Yeah. All right. So we go back to the diner, and Elaine comes back with Jerry's headshot. And Jerry, does it look like Jerry even wrote on the paper? It, like, it looks like, you know, that he's, like, scribbling pretend on the headshot. Yeah, I mean, that's it's like, it's you know, are they really writing. eating? Yeah, not a good job by Jerry. This is why people say he's not a good actor. <laughs> he really half-asses that. And so he ends up writing on the on the photo, what, Akiva? Nothing's finer than being in your diner. <laughs> okay. And Elaine is like, that's the best you come up with? I mean, yeah, on the spot. Like, what 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 would be funnier? What should he say? Um, Boy, on the spot? I mean, where is the diner? I don't know. Root something or other? I'm yeah. not sure. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it, I think it's fine what he wrote who the hell is yeah, going to be in this diner that's going to see this uh, maybe Russell Dalrymple is going to see it and be like forget it the show's off yes is this the uh, the diner that Mike Tannenbaum met with uh, Darrell Rivas at no uh, that's further upstate I think Roscoe Diner this is like on the way when people say upstate a New Yorker that's like anything 20 minutes out of like the city Long Island area, right? Yeah. But really upstate is like eight hours upstate. I think the I like think Portland is yeah. Portland is further upstate. Yes, Portland is further upstate. And then you get to like where where I went to college up in Oswego. Right. That's that's literally upstate. You're like closer to Canada than to York City, right? Yes. Yes, that's true. Okay. So anyway, we go back to the, the diner and Jerry wants to take the headshot back, but the woman is not too into it. And then we cut to the bubble boy who's looking for Seinfeld. Yeah, I, I don't know why this woman doesn't try and make a deal and just say like sweeten the pot and give me something else. But uh, yeah, the bubble boy really gets right into it with uh, with, uh, you know, he, he's not a very happy guy. Yeah. And he basically accuses George of what? You never saw a kid in a bubble before. And George's like, no, my cousin is in a bubble. My friend Jeffrey's sister, bubble, bubble. <laughs> So he goes right into Susan and talking about how like, uh, like, who's this? Like, oh, well, she's Susan. She works at NBC and he wants to know. uh, So how about you take your top off? That's one of the best lines in the episode. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, bubble boy. Bubble boy. Um, And so he challenges George to Trivial Pursuit and asks him, are you afraid? By the way, I'm surprised Susan didn't. You know, she's she seems like she's up for anything. She's up for anything, but maybe not in front of the bubble boy. (laughs) Not in front of the bubble boy. He's he's do we know how old the bubble boy is? Like he's referred to as a child, but he sounds like he's 50. Yeah, we have no idea how old the Bubble Boy is. I mean, he can't be 50 because uh, Brian Doyle Murray isn't 50. Right. Or, 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 he's, or he may, he's in his 50s, but yeah. he's and like... The, the, actor, the, the voice actor, John Heyman, who, uh, who you know, was uh, on the show, he, he was a uh, writer and a producer on the show. He's probably in his 40s, so that's why the voice actually sounds like 
it's an older man, but uh, they probably should have gotten someone who sounds more like a kid. <laughs> no, it was perfect the way it was. Yeah, I'm not changing the bubble boy, but I'm saying just in terms of the age, I do think it's like, how you know, he's got to be at least in his 20s with Again, that voice. if it was a kid, you would feel bad. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Even if he was like a Joffrey little kid, like uh, a real brat. <laughs> Joffrey the, and the bubble boy. <laughs> bubble it's like Joffrey. some fan fiction. Yeah. Okay. All right. So... We end up with then seeing Jerry back in the diner and he's like, cha- like almost like, uh, is he chasing the woman around the diner at this point? It's a little weird. He's like really harassing her. He's really harassing her. She won't give it back. And Jerry is like, well, maybe I'll just take it back. Uh, I don't, she's obs- like at this point, why would she even want the autograph of someone who's such a jerk to her? Yeah, it's getting like increasingly hostile and uh, it's going to get really uh, hostile in a minute. So we end up going back to George and the Bubble Boy. And OK, the Bubble Boy is about to win the game. And he has yeah, they really they really cut to the chase here, really cut to the chase here, like Joe Hollywood. And for the game in history, the Bubble Boy has to answer the question, who invaded Spain in the eighth century? Uh, I know that. And it is the Moors. Nope, it's the Moops. Uh, by the way, add this to the thing list of like, if we could do this now and Google it and we saw it was wrong, would George still have a leg to stand on? Boy, that's a good question that he could prove it was a misprint. I feel like mm-hmm. if this actually happened now, I feel like the Trivial Pursuit, Moore's Moops card 591 is a misprint. And, you know, I feel like that would be on the Internet. Right, that's true. Like the right, actual- right, like Trivial Pursuit would like tweet an apology or something. <laughs> like I'm so we recalled our game. Right, we're very sorry. By the way, the way I tr- play Trivial Pursuit, not that I play it often, because he's playing this for the game. When you get to the middle and you're up to the last card, and this is a good strategy, uh, like it, to make it fair, instead of making it one question, I read someone a whole card and they have to get four to six right. Oh my god, it's much better than just one question. That now, could be sports, could be anything. And Keith, isn't it traditionally in tr- Trivial Pursuit that when you get to the end, the other t- person or team gets to pick the category they have to answer? Yes. Well, that's why I like to even it out and do four out of six and just ask one from every category. Wow. Akiva, have I ever told yeah. you about my business card? No. Oh, okay. Well, I'll post a picture of it on the blog for uh, post-show recaps. Try to try to drive some traffic to the website. Did you tweet Did you tweet it once, though? I think so. I think I might have posted okay, it on so Instagram. Okay, so now it's ringing a bell. Yes. All right. So the correct answer is the moops. The misprint says the bubble boy. And again, maybe this uh, flies in the face of that. The bubble boy has memorized all the cards because had that been the case, I think he would have said the moops. I was thinking that too, but maybe like when he played with his dad, his dad just wanted the game to be over and his dad gave it to him. Boy, how is the bubble boy so educated? I mean, there was no internet. Is he just sitting back there with like encyclopedia Britannica? How is the bubble boy so knowledgeable about the entire world? It's a good question. And I think the answer is one, uh, maybe he watches the history channel a lot because he watches a lot of TV and he's got the what remote history channel. They didn't have it in the early nineties. I don't think that the history channel. PBS. What about PBS? Had PBS, some yeah, on PBS. It. Sure. Uh, or as you said, he memorized the cards and he doesn't actually know about the eighth century and who invaded Spain. He just knows what the card says. But if he just knew what the card said, why wouldn't he answer the move? Oh, okay. You know what? You just blew my theory up in the face. Yeah. I don't know. Cause he's Good answering it. Like, of course anybody would know this. It's the Moors. Like, nope. It's the move. Right. He really knows his stuff. Maybe he also, he's also like homeschooled, but he goes like college from his bubble. Maybe. Maybe Bubble Boy's parents were teachers or, or at least his mom was a teacher. His dad drives a Yoohoo truck. Maybe. I mean, maybe he used to be a teacher, but then he had to, uh, you know, increase his income to support the Bubble Boy. So he went to, uh, you know, haul Yoohoo six days a week. OK. Now, is this we go very quickly to like the Bubble Boy is strangling George? Uh yeah, oh, I think we we see Kramer first getting to the cabin with Naomi. Okay, got it. All right, so Kramer and Naomi get to the cabin, and Kramer's smoking a cigar. And th- what are they going to do? Go skinny dipping, or what are they doing? I don't know, but you really have to call. You know, we've already established Kramer's not a great friend. Like he yeah. likes to throw people yeah. under the bus, but huge violation here, destroying the bro code here. Way out of line, Kramer. This is somebody's girlfriend. Yep. What, let's say they're just going regular swimming and they actually have trunks because they did pack. Let's say they, still, they're going swimming. They're just still. Yeah. I think if someone like is alone in the cabin and, and like, hey, we got nothing to do. Let's go swimming. And they're going with your girlfriend. I, I, don't, I don't think you're going to be too happy when you get back. Yeah, especially at nighttime. Although maybe he knows that Jerry cycles through these women once a week and it's like doesn't mean anything. Because it's not like Jerry says anything when he when they get there. Like, what are you doing with Naomi? Yeah. OK, so. 
Kramer ends up putting his cigar on the mantle and then walks out. And as they leave, the cigar tumbles into a stack of newspapers. Uh, yeah, which does uh, add to the theory that he's, you know, really conserving these cigars <laughs> by putting it down. He's saving them. All right. So then we cut to George being strangled by the bubble boy. Uh, yeah, he's really choking him. Yeah, the bubble boy is, is choking George. And Susan is like beating on the plastic to try to get George free from the bubble boy. And as she's hitting on the plastic, it's actually Susan that pops the bubble. Yeah, so it's totally Susan's fault here. Yes. So another George reason. gets a bad rap. Susan is she's like slapping him hard, and good for her that she's defending her her man here. Yeah. But uh, but uh, you know her. she really she is a hundred percent at fault for this uh, plastic deflating. <laughs> yeah. All right. And so then we cut to another crazy scene where we go from the bubble boy strangling George. Also, George, I, I really like that he like waves to the bubble boy as the bubble boy is like. <laughs> Like the bubble boy is going down and George like gives him like almost like a mocking wave. Uh, yeah, listen, because George now George won the game, right? He the bubble boy forfeits. Yes, he forfeited. OK, so then we go to Jerry in the diner and now Jerry is being strangled by the waitress at the diner. Yeah. And like the guy who must the owner, or the chef is also like getting in on the action. It's weird. Yeah, it really is crazy that that this is what's happening over the freaking headshot. Like he was like. What celebrity would people fight over a headshot like this? And are they really still going to hang it up after he's fought them like this? They should throw it in the garbage. They hate him, right? They should burn it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you had five members of One Direction there, all they, they brought Zane back in and oh then boy. he signed and they all signed the photo. Maybe at that point you would have this sort of a, a melee. Right. But that has value beyond sentimental value. This is literally just like, we like to put up celebrities who happen to come into the, you know, into the uh, the restaurant. And he is a pretty loose. He's a moderately famous comedian who was just on yeah. the Tonight Show. Like if this was actually Jerry Seinfeld now. Right. I don't That's think good- people would fight over this. Headshot. No, <laughs> no. They'd say, oh, OK, well, that was cool. Yeah, I don't think it was. This was this part of the show was based on a real life story. No. All right. So the townsfolk come in and say that something's happened to the bubble boy. He rounds up a gang. Yeah, it's very like Western, right? It's out of like a, of like an old Western. Yes. Now, what are the chances that this diner happened to be so close to the Bubble Boy's house? Yeah, because George was driving so far past them. Like they, you would have thought that, you know, they would have, you know, he, if George lost them by so much, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, he lost it's, them the exit before the Bubble Boy's house. Right. It's a little it's a little uh, bizarre. It is and that everyone bizarre. just randomly knows the Bubble Boy. Yeah. Well, I think everybody knows the Bubble Boy. Everybody likes you who and it probably uh that's true. Murray is a yeah, he probably hooks them house. up with some free Yoohoo. Yeah. And they probably like has to beg everybody to go play Trivial Pursuit against the Bubble Boy. Oh, that's true. I've I've never have you ever had Yoohoo? I've never tried Yoohoo. Oh, yeah, I've had it. I mean, I've I probably have not had it in 15 years. That makes sense. You know. I bet you'll have some Yoohoo in the house probably soon. Why? I don't know. I mean, I feel like little kids like Yoohoo. Are we going to be sent Yoohoo for mentioning it on the podcast? Yoohoo, if you want to come on as a sponsor, we're all ears because <laughs> United has not gotten back to us, but no, I just mean when you have a little kid, like my kids more than anything, just want like chocolate milk or that sort of thing. I, I know nobody really does that anymore. Everyone's too healthy. But Is Yoohoo even actually milk? I have no idea. Again, I've never had it. So it could be solid golden there. I have no idea. I don't I don't eat chocolate, so I definitely don't drink chocolate. Okay. It, it's a chocolate flavored beverage. Um, does it have to be refrigerated? Yeah. Okay. So here's, so here we go. So yeah, you'd want it refrigerated. Yeah. So the ingredients are water, high fructose corn syrup, whey from milk, uh, and less than 2% of uh, cocoa, nonfat dry milk, uh, natural and artificial flavors, corn syrup, solids. So yeah, I don't know. I'm not, Neither I think I'm of out. our wives are letting this in the house, right? I'm out on Yoohoo. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think my wife's letting this in the house anymore. Yeah. I don't think so. High fructose corn syrup. Forget about yeah, it. But apparently it's still made. Do they have like a Twitter? Mm, do they have a Twitter? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Yoohoo. Well, also, is Yoohoo its own company? Like, I have a lot of questions. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, most recently, according to their Wikipedia, that in 2009, the uh, Pope said they love he loves Yoohoo. I, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> appear like they have a social media presence. No, I don't think so. I don't think they have much of a presence anywhere. I think they want to, and they want to like keep the word. Uh, 
the opposite of out. They want to keep the word in about a you who's still around. That's a weird marketing strategy. <laughs> they don't want too many people like us. Like I, Akiva, you want to hear what's in you who? Like yeah. they're they're trying to avoid that conversation. That's like our that's like our podcast marketing strategy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't want too many people uh, knowing. No, no, no. We want to keep yeah. this club small. People won't, you know, people will listen. They'll be like, oh my God, they'll yeah, spread the word. Because the out. people that want you who know where to find it. Like uh, that, the more they promote you who to the mainstream people, then that's just going to be a bad thing for you who. That's not going to be good for anybody. <laughs> I, but it doesn't, can you say the same thing about McDonald's? Mm, but McDonald's, I think. Does that somebody is, not know McDonald's exists, but it's not good for you? Yeah, but McDonald's is so delicious that I think people are just willing to look the other way on a lot of this other stuff. Okay, so like, but you who is not delicious, you who's not good enough to really make. Yeah, because the, I mean, what you whose competitors are like? Oh, just take a glass of milk and put a chocolate syrup in it. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean the the alternatives to you who are readily available and far superior. Yeah, I think I might have to try YooHoo now, although it's going to like gross me out because I really don't like chocolate. Yeah, okay. Well, if you, if you send us samples, I will try one. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, so uh, we end up then with everybody running to go to the Bubble Boy's house and George ends up uh, meeting up with Jerry and Elaine again. Yeah, and this is like an awkward scene also, right? Yeah, everybody's like, oh, there's the, the guys that killed the Bubble Boy. Get them. But they didn't kill the Bubble Boy. No, he had to go to the hospital. I mean, we see the bubble boy again. Yes. So we see him twice, right? We see him. He criticizes the, he criticizes Jerry, he criticizes the pilot uh, at the end of season four. And of course he testifies in the trial in the finale. Mm-hmm. So he's one of the first people we've seen who, uh, you know, the, the, the state is building their case against the Seinfeld crew at this point. Right. Okay. So we end up then everybody getting to the cabin and we see like all the fire trucks and everything. We don't really ex- ex- get explained to us how they got away from the angry mob. Like they ran into right. the back of the house. I don't know if they like hid in a tree until everybody ran away. Or, and we don't get explained why they saw all these fire trucks on the road, but then somehow beat the fire trucks to the house. Mm-hmm. That's the fire trucks are not there <laughs> that sped past them are not there when they get to the house and maybe it's hard to get to because it's the back of the woods. Well, maybe the bubble boy crisis uh, diverted the resources. Oh, so you think the, the fire town. trucks were going to help the bubble boy maybe. and not to put out the fire? Maybe. Oh, you know what? That should have been explained, but that's actually a really good explanation. Okay. If that's true. I bailed them out. Yeah. Good job, Rob. It wasn't a shut up Akiva moment. Nicely done, Rob. Okay. So the cabin is on fire and everybody ends up getting there at the same time. And they see the, that the big fire is there. Um, George turns to Susan and says, you know what? I just remember you didn't give me the change from the tall. That's a horrible George moment. Uh, Yeah, it's her parents like beloved cabin. Her grandfather built it. We learned with his bare hands, right? Yes. Uh, Probably wait until uh, at least the next day. (laughs) Right. And then here comes three dollars. Kramer and Naomi out of from swimming. And uh, Kramer realizes that his Cubans were in the cabin. Yeah, and obviously that's you know that they're you know, it's impossible to get Cubans back. Yes, That'll so be uh, why not why ongoing, not run in and risk your life for a few uh, cigars that are ruined even if they even if you get them out of there? Yeah, it'll be an ongoing quest for Kramer to get more Cubans. All right, that's right. So Akiva, then we have some closing stand up, and Jerry talks about um, how smoking is just people get to have fire coming out of their mouths. Uh, yeah, not not the best. Yeah, not that exciting. Uh, I do like the last joke where he's talking about, it. and then the cigar is worse because it's like, if you think that, you know, this end is intimidating, wait until you turn around and see this disgusting wet nub. <laughs> I like I've never smoked a cigar. Have you ever smoked a cigar? Um, I think I have like had one lit and, you know, I think I'm just like very scared of being sick. Like I, I really am going to take the Bill Clinton uh, defensive. I've never inhaled. I don't, I don't even think you're supposed you. to inhale. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not a smoker. Yeah. So I, I'm not too excited about the actual uh, cigar. All right, Akiva. Yes. Let's let's talk here. We've we've explored many of the ways how this episode could not have happened in 2015. Um, yeah. So where do we rank this episode on your rankings? I will say this is the hardest episode so far to rank because, like you said, the highs are probably the highest highs we've had so far, right? Wow, it's iconic. Bu- certainly, it's iconic. The Bubble Boy scenes are are so you know original and funny, and there's so many great lines. You know, the take your top off, the Moops Moors is, you know, is ridiculously famous. 
Uh, I love the dad is great. The you, you know, the I love the you who line. The problem is, and you'll see this with a with an episode that wants to be in the top couple of episodes. You the B and the C stories need to be better than this one, right? Right. Because the the cafe, the the diner scenes weren't great. They felt a little forced, and the last scene is absurd. Yes. Right. It, it doesn't really add up. I mean, yes, it, it ties together. But it's not funny. And, and it is the season four episodes. You have to grade them on a curve a little bit because it is setting up the next episode because clearly, you know, this is the plot of the of the Cheever letters. The next episode, the cabin being burnt down, the cigars being gone. Uh, so it is it is kind of like a tag for the next, you know, next week on Seinfeld. Um, but as a standalone episode, uh, I have the bubble boy as number 10. 10. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I didn't think you were going to go that high. Well, it's the bubble boy, Rob. Where do we put it with like mail on bonding? Where am I going to put this? <laughs> I think that'd be like in the twenties. I, I just think that the top, the top, you know, the, the, the best parts of the bubble boy are the best stuff we've seen so far. Wow. And, and you also have to factor like I'm putting in rewatchability as a, as a metric here, but the first time you watch this episode, when you're probably not nitpicking it the way we are, you're laughing start to finish. Yeah. You know, so it may be there are better episodes on the rewatch, but to me, I think 10 is fair. And there's probably people that have it better than 10. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a classic. Yeah. I actually uh, watched this episode recently, like in the last few months before we even got to this. So this one was pretty fresh in my memory. So, Uh yeah, I mean, great stuff with the bubble boy. And at the time, the idea of a bubble boy episode was probably pretty mind blowing. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, certain things people can copy, but there's nothing here that anybody's really ever duplicated a different show. All right, let's get into some of our emails and our feedback segment at Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Let's start with Johnny D. Silvera. Uh, Johnny D. Silvera has a, a note here, says that the diner in this episode is the same set used as Reggie's. Are you buying that? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think he made it up, but it just sounds like it doesn't look, they must have had to rebuild stuff for it, right? I don't know. I don't the dimensions know. are different. We'll have to go take a look at it. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, that Johnny DeSavera says that Seth Green was supposed to play the Bubble Boy, but Larry David changed it because he thought it would invoke sympathy. Why? Seth Green is not a sympathetic. I mean, maybe he was so young then, but he's not like a. I mean, I guess he was young. Yeah. Like what? What about Seth Green is sympathetic? He's like a heel in real life, right? Yeah. He's like a bad guy. And also, according to Johnny DeSavera, says uh, that the Moore's Moops thing was a real misprint in Trivial Pursuit. I think it was, I don't know if it was Moore's Moops. I, it may have been, yeah. I, I always knew it was, um, there was a misprint that caused a fight. But yeah, I guess it was the Moore's Moops thing. Okay. Yeah, that was too good to uh, be a made-up typo. Okay. All right. So uh, this is from Amir. Amir has a question who says, uh, is it me or do the writers not know the rules of Trivial Pursuit? The Bubble Boy landed on the history spot and was trying to get that last wedge for the win. However, everybody knows that once a player fills up their playing piece, they must return to the hub and answer a question in the category selected by the other players. The game was absolutely not on the line with the Moops question. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've said this already. And again, everyone should follow my rules and do the four out of six when you get back to the hub. Okay. Here's a question from uh, Craig Allen who says, uh, all right, so uh, just wondering, do either of you guys have a photo of yourselves up in any establishments? I think Rob might since he is a listed celebrity uh i mean <laughs> he's probably like an s or v list celebrity but at least oh. he's on the alphabet i mean on I'm, the alphabet. I'm not on the alphabet not even on the canadian one so oh boy the canadian one goes from a to z by the way that's right uh, i won't get into the details but uh a's and bouts are pretty important ones in that <laughs> alphabet anyway uh so have i ever written i'm sure i have written something that i regret but i, I spend more time like i would be fine to come up with nothing could be finer than eating in your diner because sometimes I just sit there and agonize what am I going to say right but also you're not a professional comedian you're okay with doing something that's punny as Locky, opposed to like right yeah yes okay all right and let's do uh, one more from uh, Chester Chester says uh, how about the balls on the bubble boy's dad to ask uh, for a visit upstate he should have asked for a phone call yeah, I, I, but I, you know, Ch- look, if Chester's representing you here, he's definitely asking for at least the Uber upstate, right? Like, I'm I'm coming, but you're paying for my cab. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, and also, uh, Chester says, uh, George always took the rap for the Bubble Boy's demise, but it was Susan who accidentally broke the bubble. Hashtag free George. Is that our hashtag? Mm, I don't think so. No? Yeah. Um, but he's right. It was, it was Susan's fault. <laughs> All right. What is the hashtag, Akiva? I mean, there's so many options. You could do something with moops or mores, but maybe that's too played out. <laughs> we didn't really mention this joke in the episode, but I love the line where, where uh, the Bubble Boy's dad says we needed to give him more hemoglobin. He more, laughed so hard. Because uh, people were laughing so hard on this podcast, yeah. they need more hemoglobin. More um, Okay, that is definitely uh, in the winner circle right now. Um, I also, I scribbled down in my notes. I liked when you uh, called yourself Kiwi Downer. Like oh, no. That. There's a lot of ways to spell Kiwi, though. I'm not sure how. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I also feel like maybe not talking about Yoohoo might be a missed opportunity. Oh, yeah. So, uh, uh, so, so what, what should it be? Um, I, I had something, but it was uh, like, so, you know, slinging Yoohoo. Uh, Yoohoo's a fine product. Yes. Well, what about anything pertaining to our discussion of Yoohoo? Oh, our discussion of Yoohoo? <laughs> uh, <laughs> send us free Yoohoo. For no. Uh, we don't want you who I think you, uh, you, uh, you know, Rob, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I do like the fact that you're giving you who like some good PR advice here. <laughs> yes. From the Rob has a PR firm. Um, well, I think that you who is following my PR advice of trying to be as obscure as possible. So people are like, oh man, I really would love to get some you who. I really don't think that's a thing though. Don't they say like all publicity is good publicity? Like, I don't think they're actually, uh, <laughs> I think they're trying. They're just failing. Is that what they're going for? Okay. Uh, let's go with more hemoglobin because people laughed so hard they needed more hemoglobin, like the bubble boy. Good. Okay. All right, Akiva, what's next week? Uh, next week uh, is continuation. It's uh, the Cheever letters. Kramer goes to the UN to get more cigars, and uh, Jerry says something really dirty to Elaine's secretary. Whoa. Okay. All right, that's coming up next week on the podcast. Looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say uh, in the comments, as usual, on postshowrecaps.com. Of course, you could follow Akiva. He's at Keeve26. Yep. And I am at Rob Cistrino. Uh Thanks to Scott St. Pierre on the edit of the Seinfeld podcast. And of course, Mike Moore for the recaps. Or uh, Mike Moore uh, wants to be referred to as Mike Moops in this episode. Oh, boy. Yes. All right. So uh, thanks, to all, thanks to the guys. Thanks to everybody who listened. And we'll be back to talk about the Cheever letters next time on Seinfeld, the post show recap. Take care, everybody. Bye.